Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about buying journey, how you can create content to touch sales funnel, consider their preferences, and many, many, many other great valuable insights that Alicia if will share with us. How are you? I'm doing well, Anatoly. Thanks for having me. Oh, a big pleasure. I love learning about customers because uh, 10 years ago, when I started my online journey, uh, I didn't consider a lot about customers' preferences because uh, I, you know, at that time, I thought more about search engines, how to satisfy their algorithms, about social media algorithms. Today, it's a bad strategy because today, if you can satisfy your customers, you can satisfy any algorithm. So the best way to do it. Uh, Alicia, before we start, just tell more, more about yourself, experience, background and why you decided to share with us about this topic. Yeah, thank you so much once again. Uh, so my name is Alicia Eve. I'm the Director of Product Marketing at ShareFile. And I've been in product marketing for almost 10 years. I have prior experience in sales, in marketing, in product development. Uh, so so quite a, a, a rich and varied background. And I, to, to your point, Anatoly, as you mentioned, it is all about designing an experience for your customers all the way through the funnel to adoption. Uh, that is aligned to what they're looking for. It speaks their language. And ultimately, that helps build customer loyalty uh, once you're able to close that deal and, and allow them to help see value in, in your product through adoption campaigns. And so I think this is such a compelling topic. Um, it's one that I know is top of mind for a lot of people as they rethink their CX experiences and how they're drawing people into their uh, know about their products and 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 using their their platform. So uh, it's a it's a timely topic. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about this topic. Uh, Alicia, I have the first question about how to learn customers. Can you tell how to do it? Because you know, I see when companies even big companies, they use the average data from online tools, iChrefs, SEMrush, most many others. So they just take the average data. But uh, it's interesting uh, that customers are different. They have different mindset. They have different preferences. In the end, uh, even if we sell the same products that our competitors have, we have our unique selling proposition. So let us know how to learn customers. <laughs> I mean, it, it really does all start from the foundation of developing a compelling buyer persona. And the way that I see a lot of companies do this is what I think of as a, an inside out approach. Uh, so maybe you get a bunch of people, some salespeople, some marketing, maybe product marketing together. And, you know, you go through a template of what are their pain points? What are they looking for? All of these, you know, all these kind of basic questions and you answer them together as a group. And then you take that and you know you build on top of it marketing campaigns and adoption strategy, sales motions, all of that. I think though the challenge with that is it's it's from your perspective. And the the biggest error that I hear uh, from or that I see companies make and uh, is that they they assume that their product is the center of the customer experience, right? So they think about the customer's pain points in in a way that 
only their product can solve, but yet the pain points aren't actually attributed to your product at all, right? There's, there's a lot more that a customer is thinking about. And, the, and when you're talking about building a buyer journey, it's not about what your product can do for the customer. It's about understanding what that pain point is for the customer and how your product helps solve it. And that might not be one-to-one, right? Um, and I think this is a big mistake that I see a lot of organizations make uh, is that they assume that everything that a customer is experiencing, all that they want to solve is directly attributed to their product. But if you take an outside and approach, you can actually develop marketing and campaigns that aren't just about the product, but they actually tap into something at a more emotional level. And really, that's how we make buying decisions. It's it's not necessarily always logical. There's also an emotional component to it. And that's where the opportunity lies. Yeah, I, I can tell 75% of all uh, decisions are emotion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, if we, uh, no, if I ask about my son, uh, 99% of all decisions are emotion, you know, because, <laughs> you know, he loves friends and when he needs new sneakers, he, uh, you know, I ask him, okay, let's choose uh, high quality products. No, we need to buy Nike. Why Nike? Because Cristiano Ronaldo has it, mm-hmm. don't understand. <laughs> so, and okay, let's talk about loyalty. You mentioned about uh, customers' loyalty. For me, for example, um, I'm loyal with um, Apple brands. I have many gadgets, uh, MacBook, uh, uh, iPhones, AirPods, Apple Watch, many other items, you know. And uh, but you know, it doesn't mean that uh, I'm a loyal customer. Because of the quality, I love quality. Uh, and if Samsung or any other brand will surprise tomorrow, I'll buy Samsung. No, why not? Uh, I love Apple because of simplicity of using. I don't need to, uh, I don't know, to smash my mind. You know how to use uh, iPhone. Uh, so, can you tell how to create this feeling loyalty? Because for me, you know, I think when brands. F- think they have loyal customers, uh, it's a fake feeling because uh, if you need loyalty, you can buy a dog. No, yeah, then you will have loyalty forever. But uh, about customers, they are looking for better solutions. That's okay if you have uh, uh, these solutions today, but it doesn't mean that competitors will not provide something better tomorrow. So any insights about creating a loyalty feeling? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it really does start at the decision to purchase the product. And I, I loved I loved your Apple example um, because we all have, or or your Nike example, There, we all have personal attachments uh, to, to various brands for a variety of reasons. But most likely, a lot of them are, as you mentioned, they're, they're emotional. And so I'll use, I'll use shampoo as an example, because I think uh, for the most part, this is one that's a, a pretty, a pretty universal product that most people encounter at some point in their life. Um, now, Shampoo, there's attributes like, hey, you know, this, maybe this one shampoo, it makes your hair smell great, right? You like how your hair looks when you look in the mirror. Um, it has, you know, doesn't leave your hair greasy, whatever it is, right? And so if, if you are in charge of marketing for that shampoo brand, those are probably attributes that, that you would, you know, you do a bunch of customer testing and things like that. But what really that person that's buying your shampoo is looking for, they're looking to feel good about their hair. That marketing message is very different than, do you want your hair to smell nice? Do you want your hair to be bouncy? Do you want your hair to be shiny, but not greasy? 
No, it's actually about, hey, do you just want to feel really great when you look in the mirror and you style your hair? Because that's, that's a feeling that's intangible. Now, if you're able to create that with that product, that's going to create loyalty because now that customer, every time they use your shampoo, they're going to remember how they felt, both in terms of yeah. how they bought it and then if the product backed it up. And, and there is a gap. I mean, let's be real, right? Like sometimes we buy products and the marketing is excellent and then we get the product and that is not at all what that product, <laughs> you know, ends up, ends up being. So it really is about the, the message and the value proposition has to match the actual customer experience to create that loyalty. Nice, nice, valuable. Okay, let's talk about uh, storytelling. You know, I opened your LinkedIn profile and the first word in your bio, storyteller. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we discussed a little bit about Apple and uh, I remember uh, when I watched uh, the presentation of Apple about new Apple Watch, uh, Tim Cook didn't uh, share any features. He shared three stories how this Apple Watch can decide my problems. After watching this presentation, I got the feeling I need it. I need this Apple Watch. I, I bought three pairs for me, for my son, for my wife. Uh, you know, they probably kill me if uh, I buy only for myself. So uh, I can't do it. Uh, today, the Atlantic Ocean owns my Apple Watch. It happens, <laughs> but you know, uh, I have the question about storytelling. Can you tell how to craft the story? Because many stories are boring, you know, uh, they're not interested. For example, if I read books from Jack London, he wrote these amazing books a hundred years ago. And, you know, I can feel that I'm the part of this journey. Uh, I can forget about meal, water, uh, sleep, anything, but many stories are not the same you know uh, especially about business books you can read them when you have the problems with sleep so you can take a new boring book and sleep well all night you don't remember anything from this book so any insights how to craft this story well it's it's really funny that you brought up apple because there's a, a great uh, a great ted talk um that's i think from the the 90s i want to say uh that that you can look up that talks about how Apple was uh, is a company that very much takes an outside in approach in terms of crafting its story, right? It doesn't, Apple, Apple has a brand that's not established on specific features per se. It is established and focused on how does it make you feel, right? The stories that are told. And that really, that really is the difference. And it, and it all comes back to that foundational element of understanding who your buyer is and what they're trying to achieve. And that when you understand that, and so you know, I'm in I'm in B2B, I'm in tech. A lot of times your your buyer is going to be um, you know, some kind of executive, maybe it's a VIT or something else. Now, of course, they're they're looking for a product that uh, helps fit some use cases that maybe some of their users have mentioned. But what they're also looking for, they want to meet their KPIs, OKRs, whatever acronym you want to call it, right? Their priorities for the year. Maybe they want to get promoted. They want to move into a bigger office. It's understanding what those are that you can create a story around. So it's not just about the check boxes that, that you can check per se when it comes to the product and the features. It's about what does that do for your buyer beyond just allowing them to purchase a product. If you start from there, that story is going to be way more compelling and it's going to be way more emotional than you know, just kind of listing out you know different different attributes of a product or writing a business book um, with you know ten tips of this or you know twenty tips of that. 
Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Okay, uh, I wanna highlight the second word on your bio, writer. You know, I love writing. Uh, and I think writing is the most important part of any content. You know, because, for example, uh, when I check out Wikipedia, Westopedia, many other websites, they can, uh, this website neglect nice looking design, but they uh, have high quality writing that uh, help you to get all this traffic. So, uh, can you tell about writing? Uh, for example, you know, uh, when customers are asking me uh, what to do if they have limited budget and uh, where to invest, I always tell them invest to the best writing possible. Mm -hmm. uh, then, um, okay, it's better to have design, but design can't help bad writing. Design can't save bad writing because you can't cheat customers. Uh, you can't cheat Google, manipulate the system. So can you tell how to write? Because, you know, today 80% of people bounce fast for a few seconds. You know, they open, not interested and bounce. Any insights how to hook their attention and how to give a solid reason to consume until then. Yeah, I mean, I think especially in this day and age, shorter is better. And this is where you can get, this is where uh, having a compelling SEO presence uh, can be a little challenge with that balance, right? We're all trying to, to get through the algorithm. We're all trying to get those hits. Um, and, you know, sometimes that can come at the expense of brevity when it comes to writing. But being able to talk in plain language, um, you know, one of, one of my big uh, pet peeves, as you will, is, is using a lot of business buzzwords. Um, because when you read a page that has a lot of words and you get to the end and you're like, I don't even know anything that was just said, um, but there were a lot of really great words in there. To your point, you're, you're not, you're not going to stay. You're going to bounce from that, from that website. So it's being, it's speaking in plain language. It's being very tangible and it's linking everything, every single sentence to speaking to your primary buyer. Because I think an, another mistake that I see companies make is that, there's, you know, we, oh, we just want people to come. We want to widen the funnel, right? And we want to get as many people as possible from our website. But if you're not speaking to a particular buyer, what you end up doing is you dilute your message and then you speak to no one. And so when it comes to writing, again, whether that's website, whether that's uh, leave behinds from a sales organization, everything should be concise to the point and structured directly to speak to who your primary target segment is going to be. Just following those three, you're going to have a much more uh, compelling uh, content in terms of, you know, from your website or any other of your of your content develop development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think simplicity is key. I agree with that. You know, if you have simple content, then uh, you don't need to crush your customers' minds <laughs> so they can see. Uh, yeah. You know, I love, uh, by the way, we mentioned a few times about Apple. But when I open apple.com, I, you know, I can see only a big picture of iPhone and a few words. Uh, compared to many other websites, it's very simple. Now, uh, Apple can sell on the first screen MacBook, AirPod, many other items. But uh, Apple is responsible, uh, iPhone is responsible for 44% of all revenue. So why they need to list all items? Uh, and it's better to show best-selling products. Okay, let's talk about um, uh, the structure. Can you tell how to structure content? Because uh, you are passionate about product, 
marketing and uh, when customers are uh, for example if a website uh, has a lot of products how to simplify their experience to find the right products any insights about that now that's a great i'm a i'm a, I'm a big believer in the rule of three so when mm -hmm. it comes to because i mean that's and that's also just how we all are conditioned to receive information right everything comes in groups of three so when you're thinking about designing your website or listing out uh you know different different messages on your website three short you know sections three short sentences or or categories is is definitely a, an easy way to go if you have a if you have a really large product portfolio it definitely can get can get a little challenging and again this is where understanding who is your primary target segment and highlighting the experience for them and then for your other segments or your other maybe uh, products that are tucked underneath your portfolio um, make it very easy for your customers to be able to find those products because they're coming to your page for, for a very specific reason um, but that's it really is focusing on you know who's your primary buyer what are they going to buy, right? So you mentioned the iPhone, great example. What are they going to be here to buy? How do we make that as easy for them as possible uh, to, to, find, uh, to find and get information on? And, and then what kind of information are they going to be looking for? I mean, this is where you start to really design that funnel into, you know, how are you going to kick off your nurture campaigns? What kinds of um, tracking are you going to do along the way? You know, how do you, how do you want to, how do you want your customers to enter your funnel, which is, which is really where the website starts. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Okay. Uh, I have the question about, um, customers journey. You know, it's interesting. For example, uh, uh, many years ago, I don't remember exactly, uh, like 10 years, uh, you know, at that time, I didn't uh, create any strategy uh, by covering info content. Today, uh, most of my strategies uh, uh, are related to info content uh, to customers' journey because um, of competition. You know, uh, I didn't have competitors, a lot of competitors. Okay, let's call them a lot of competitors uh, uh, like 10 years ago. Today, uh, 1.8 billion websites online a lot and many of them have thousand pages uh, so a trillion pages you need to compete with them it's hard to get attention uh, and once um, i spoke with one webmaster and he told me he lost uh, 400 uh, thousand traffic a month but he didn't lose any sales so he got a lot of traffic that didn't sell can you tell how to create this strategy that covers by uh, journey, you know, sales funnel uh, that actually will help to sell products. And uh, yeah, for example, if you invested a lot of money to get this crazy traffic and got no, uh, zero sales, I'm not sure it's a good idea. <laughs> no, I, you're absolutely right. And and again, that's that's where being really focused on who you're going after and what kind of journey they that they want, right? And what kind of messages do they want at certain points in the cycle? Um, so to you, to your example, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways to increase traffic to a, a website. But if you're not reaching the right people, if you're not uh, in the right places that those people can find out for you based on how they like to find out about products or services, um, if if you're just you know paying for traffic and and using SEO strategies, but it's not aligned with with who you're actually going after, yeah, you're not you're probably not going to see a huge a huge spike in your in your traffic. But it is it's difficult to really 
um, it's difficult to really overcome that where you can have lower traffic on your site because as you get more specific, you will, that will be a result of it, but you might see higher win rates. You might see more conversion, right? Your conversion rates are going to go up and over time, so does your, so does your revenue. So it, it does feel a little paradoxical. Um, but, but the reality is we're so used to being bombarded with websites um, and ads and all of that, that it really is about getting hyper-focused. So we feel like that marketing is speaking to us. That is what's going to grab your customer's attention and ultimately pull them through your marketing and sales funnel. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay. I have the question about, uh, you know, um, I have uh, uh, some customers who have the struggle to write text for their content. And uh, yeah, we have two options. The first option, to hire someone, you know, uh, I never recommend to hire on uh, many platforms, uh, Fiverr, Upwork, because I probably, uh, I, uh, you know, it's hard to tell that uh, don't cooperate. If you can find great specialists, do it. Yeah, it's your choice. But for me, it's hard to find great specialists uh, because uh, I found that many great writers are busy now. <laughs> they have no time to search for a job and uh, we use um, a quite different approach. We search uh, writers who write for some blogs, check out their traffic. If we see they know about the topic, they uh, have uh, proven record. So we cooperate with them, reach out to them. The second is to uh, write yourself. That's okay as well. So if you can improve your writing skills, you can do it. Can you tell about uh, your methods, how to improve this writing skills because i have a lot of students who are asking me it's a good idea today to improve writing skills because ai can replace us but by the way you know ai can replace not only writers anyone <laughs> can <laughs> replace so uh, uh, that's why i don't worry a lot about ai even more you know once i uh, got the story from uh, gary kasparov someone asked him uh, what do you think about AI? AI will destroy all occupations. He told no. Uh, you know, uh, he he was the first man in this world who was beaten by machine. You know, in chess playing, <laughs> and he told, okay, that was 1997. Uh, AI can replace some occupations. Some occupations will disappear, but it doesn't mean that uh, uh, AI can replace anyone. So you need to adapt move fast to improve your skills any insight how to improve writing skills if someone uh, needs you know to create awesome uh, text i i mean i think i have a, a background in journalism and the only way that you improve your writing skills is to write is to write frequently <laughs> um i yeah. wish i wish that i could i could give more of you know a, an insight into it but it really is just about doing it regularly now the good news is is that as, as we were talking about in terms of like website content, people just want words and sentences they can understand. You know, you don't need to have a thesaurus open and looking up a, an, you know, a synonym for every word that sounds more important or better. People just want basic information that connects with them. That doesn't require you to have an MFA in, you know, yeah. in English writing at all. Um, and I think I think that's definitely a misnomer when it comes to when it comes to messages. Now, of course, as you mentioned, there are people that do this professionally and they of course, it's a different level. Right. But at the end of the day, if all you're trying to do is convey information, make sure that people understand 
what your product or who you are, what you're all about quickly, easily, and then make a decision on whether or not they want to move through your marketing or sales funnel. You can, anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. If you just focus on your, the person that you're, who, who is it that you're trying to get to your site and to buy your product and just yeah. write the sentences and words that will get them to understand what you're doing and continue. Yeah. I, I love this book, uh, Martin Eden, uh, by Jack London. It's mm -hmm. awesome book about the guy who didn't have any education, but he, uh, just wrote a lot every single day. He was consistent on that and he could overcome many others. Uh, and it's the same, you know, yeah, I love your team. Uh, it's awesome team, amazing because, you know, uh, for example, if I read a hundred books, how to play soccer, I, I never beat Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, or a, a, even a mediocre players because uh, um, it's not about uh, learning how to do it. It's more about doing something. Uh, exactly. If you want to write awesome text, you need to write. If you want to play soccer, you need to hit a ball 10,000 times than uh, read how to play soccer. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Stephen King once shared uh, how to improve writing skills. Uh, he told you need to do two things, write and read a lot. So simple. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Well, just... I mean, Anatoly, you mentioned that you have a son. I have two as well. And they're at the age where they're learning to read and write. And what does that mean? They read and write every day, right? Just, yeah. just a little bit um, here or there. But that's how we all learn um, any any kind of new skill. So. Yeah, by the way, my son hates writing, hates reading. <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves uh, playing soccer. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, how to, I'm not good father, you know, to educate, uh, it's better or not, but I usually listen to him if he likes soccer. So yeah, let's do it. Let's play more, but you need to learn as well. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's a balance. <laughs> yeah, the balance, I agree. Okay, Alicia, I have the question about common mistakes. Can you list mistakes that companies still do and how to find a much better way? I think the most common one, and, and it, it's popped up a few times in our conversation, not understanding your customer and not being specific mm -hmm. enough. Um, being worried that being specific, you're going to not meet your sales target. Uh, you know, casting a very wide net is not usually better. It's better to be specific and then you can build, right, based on your product capabilities and, and what your, uh, you know, your services do, et cetera. Um, but being very specific and aligning your entire organization behind who you're actually trying to get to buy your product, buy and use it. So all the way from product development, who is their persona through marketing, through sales, who are you going to talk to? How are you going to design the product? And how are you going to ultimately show them the value? That's, that's the number one. Uh, mistake that I still see that that companies make today. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, love it. Okay, let's talk about repurposing content. For example, uh, if I create a piece of content, according to many great content creators, you need to repurpose to many different formats. Can you tell how to do it in the right way? Because, you know, uh, for example, I, I found if I use totally the same text for Facebook, LinkedIn, and my website, I can't get results. Because uh, people are different, they have different mindset. Uh, once I decided to check out the same data from my website to YouTube channel, but I found on YouTube channel, my audience uh, wants to learn about uh, digital marketing, 
how to set up marketing campaigns, they're different. Uh, even more, you know, people are the same, but they have different mindset. You know, so if they are on YouTube, they uh, wanna learn uh, to get educational content, entertainment. So, can you tell how? to do it in the right way. <laughs> well, I think first it's great that you noticed that your audiences are different across the different platforms. And part of that is modality. How we consume information on a smartphone looks very different than how we consume information on a web page or a book, right? Or on a laptop, as an example. And it's being very mindful. It means it's very mindful of that. And that's where actually mapping out where and how you're meeting your customers and also keeping in touch with them. So I'm, I'm assuming that uh, your discovery of the difference was both through shares and, and interactions and maybe some direct comments or some direct feedback from your customer base where you were able to do that. You know, then you can take that information and you can start tweaking your, you know, your, your different places. Now, one thing, one strategy that I've used in the past um, is producing what's called a, a messaging source document. And basically what that is, um, it, it provides um, the horizontal messages, right? The, the overall value proposition in that. But then you can, you can start to say, okay, for this audience on YouTube, as an example, they're more interested in this kind of content. Here's, here's what we want to layer in here. And you do try to find commonalities, right? So you're not just creating net new content for every single platform. Um, but if you bring together all of those insights, you can build a foundational, whether it's a document or a presentation, whatever it is where you want to kind of rip, you know, rip and replace and, and you know, copy content from. Once you know that, you can structure that up front and then save yourself some time of constantly feeling like you're, you know, you're always reinventing every single platform and the content that you have. Have a have a a foundation that layers across all of it, and then it really just becomes how do you present it up differently for those different audiences. Yeah, yeah, agree. Okay, Alicia, I have the question about AI. Let's talk about this tool. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, a few years ago. Many people, many marketers were skeptical a lot about AI, and that was simple to ignore. Today, it's hard to ignore. Tomorrow, impossible to ignore. <laughs> and uh, AI can help to save time. For example, uh, it's not a golden button. You click and got uh, results, but you can uh, save time by structuring content to find ideas, uh, even to write some text. Can you tell? how to do you use ai and how to improve results by using ai generation tools yeah i i think it, i mean this is we're at the cusp of something brand new when it comes to ai and, and artificial intelligence and it, and it is really exciting you know for me as somebody that comes from a, a content creation background if you will via writing I like to write my own stuff but that's not to say that uh, i won't i won't use an engine to get an idea um, or to think about maybe a new way of framing something, especially if I'm, you know, getting a little bit of writer's block or or having challenges with how to parse something out. That's my preference in terms of in terms of using it. Um, I think I think the really interesting thing, and and we talked about it earlier, is how to leverage AI, especially when it comes to improving your writing skills, um, or if uh, you're writing in a second language. Um, how can you use AI to improve that skill set as well? Um, and I, I think that probably looks different um, when it when it comes to the, to those scenarios. And I ultimately think it's a personal decision. Um, I I will say though that uh, from my from the use that I've had of AI, I do think that um, you can get really great structured content 
nothing there. But there's something about content that has a human touch, right, if you will. Um, so even if you use those generation tools as a foundation, I would still highly recommend going back through it. And there are going to be ways to frame sentences or frame content that is personal, that your reader, they might not realize it, but they're going to pick that up. And I think to your to your point earlier, that, that's why it's, it's going to be hard for AI to replace creativity and creative content, because there is an element that is very humanistic, um, that's also personal to the person that, that is developing that content. That, that's going to be difficult to replace. And we all know that when we see it, we feel it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, today I can feel that AI can, uh, can't replace uniqueness. No, uh, mm -hmm. AI tools just usually rewrite. And for me, rewriting is that, you know, on Google. You know, uh, if you want to overcome some websites in the top 10, you need to provide something new, unique. So, uh, but... Uh, yeah, we'll see how future will be. AI is developing. Even right now, it's raw version. It's not like, uh, I think, uh, how many years AI appeal? Uh, if I remember correctly, on Google, Google started to use AI in 2015, yeah. like uh, seven years ago. It's not a lot you know, to change. Uh, uh, but even today, yeah, it's better to use AI to get ideas, to learn from them. And we'll see. Marketers need to adapt. No, it's our occupation not to adapt <laughs> to, to many things, you know. So, yeah, uh, I want to ask about uh, your company, ShareFile. Can you mm -hmm. tell more about your company? What kind of unique selling proposition you have? Why uh, your products are better for some customers? Any insights? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so our, our company is ShareFile. And we really, uh, we really focus on enabling our customers to provide the best possible client experience for their customers by uh, helping them securely share and store content, um, by onboarding clients successfully, um, and all of this done with an incredible layer of security. Um, because we we do have a, a lot of a lot of customers in highly regulated industries. And so as the focus continues to be on providing a compelling customer and client uh, and client experience and also digitizing workflow. So you're talking about artificial intelligence, but we've also been talking about getting rid of paper and paper-based processes for mm -hmm. years. And that's something that ShareFile can help companies and uh, especially companies that are in industries where they're regularly interacting with clients. They need to provide that best possible uh, the best possible experience. Um, and they they want everything to be in a space that's secure, uh, that they can find. And, you know, they're not at the copy machine, as an example, they're not faxing documents or emailing documents, and they can even get live, you know, uh, e-signatures on, on documents. And so uh, we're really excited about this year. Um, we just had a big product launch, um, which helps onboard clients faster. And this is particularly exciting for uh, customers in accounting where uh, the accounting season kicks off here in the United States in the next couple of weeks. So, um, so we're excited and uh, looking forward to continuing to add value to our customers throughout the year. Nice, nice. Guys, you can find the link uh, to share file in the description below. And I have the question about your experience. Uh, you know, I have a lot of students in my network they're asking what to do today, how, uh, where to go, many similar questions. And uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. You didn't write a single word. So what will you do today 
to improve your uh, marketing, uh, product marketing skills? Uh, great question. I think what's so unique about product marketing is that it's an art as much as it is a science and it relies on your unique background and there's such a, a wide variety of skills and so what i what i would tell the the students that are listening is you know if you're if you're interested in product marketing if you're interested in working with companies to help craft messages understand their customers and build customer journeys the the first place to start is really understanding so that's a really big wide net that i just described and every company does product marketing differently so really the first aspect of that is to one find whatever opportunities you can, whether that's through internships, um, courses that you can take to really start understanding what part of that really interests you. And then it's about investing in some of those skills. And when I say that, again, it doesn't mean I need a formal degree to do this. That's the, the beauty about product marketing. There's no degree in product marketing yeah. that you can get. And people come from all kinds of backgrounds. I have a journalism background. I have people from marketing backgrounds on my team, um, product development. It really can be anything. The, the skill set that product marketers have is the ability to communicate effectively by understanding the customer and highlighting the value that their product or service can, can deliver them. And you can get that through experience. You can get that through designing your, through your own company, right? Setting up your own website, taking those learnings and, and turning them into uh, something to put on your resume, uh, working with friends that maybe you're starting businesses um, or you're doing a, a paid or unpaid internship. There's all kinds of opportunity. Um, but I think, like I said, the good news is there's no certificate. It's all about experience. And as long on your resume, you can tie together the different experiences that you've had that ultimately produce the to the total skill set that uh, aligns to product marketing. That's all I look for when I'm hiring. Nice. I don't look for job titles. I don't look for specific experiences. I look for, can you tell me how all of the different experiences that you have level into a skill set that's going to work for what I'm looking for for a job? And I think that that's pretty similar across most of product marketing. And so I think because of that, we're, we're a very eclectic group of people. Um, and we welcome people from all different kinds of, of backgrounds. And I actually think that's really important because buyers are all different. And so you have to be able to have a team that can speak to different kinds of buyers effectively. Nice, nice. I completely agree with you. Uh, a great approach. Um, and uh, in my company, I never ask about your degree. Just show what you can do. You know, mm -hmm. it's much better. And I, I don't remember when Neil Patel can share for example, guys, I got a new certificate or Ren Fishkin can tell, wow, my new degree is coming soon. No way. These guys are practitioners. They do. Elon Musk dropped college. Bill Gates dropped the college. And I'm not against the college. It's up to you. But uh, practice makes miracle. Uh, it's not about overlearning. Once I got the question you now from one of listeners, on, uh, he asked me, if I listen all your episodes, can I become a better marketer? I told him, no, you can't. Never. Because you can listen some specific episodes that you like, but it's not about learning. It's more about practice. You need to implement. Listen less, learn less, but implement. Because you can overlearn and forget for a few days about new skills. I can forget for a few hours. Just tell me, I, I can forget fast. <laughs> if I don't make notes, that's why I usually make notes, you know, to remind uh, about new skills. And I usually think how to adapt. Yeah, 
Uh, and Alicia, I have the final question. Let's talk about the future. Many things are coming, metaverse, augmented reality, name them. So what kind of future will be in product marketing? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to say that I predict the future at all um, because I certainly mm -hmm. can't. I, I do I do think that the industry is changing. I mean, obviously with all of all of the different technology, but I there as I mentioned before, product marketing specifically is a combination of both qualitative and quantitative skills. There, when you especially once you've been doing product marketing for a while and and you have some experience. There's there's just uh, almost an intuitive way that uh, an intuitive sense that you start to get about when you see opportunities um, and you start to notice them. And I, I loved, you know, you're to tie it back to the comment you just made. It is about the doing and you can learn a lot from companies by just seeing a product and then trying to figure out how, what is their go to market? What are their key messages? Right. You almost backtrack into it and, and you can you can learn that way. Um, but it really. I, the future, the future is human from a product marketing standpoint, because again, anyone can write anything, um, but it really does come from deep buyer knowledge and that personal touch uh, that ultimately we all feel when we read when we read marketing and messages that are designed for us specifically. And I think I think technology will help us get there faster, right? Maybe maybe less edits when it when it comes to sharing those documents mm -hmm. around and and, and whatnot um, i definitely can see it cutting down the cycles the cycles on that um, but i still think the foundation is ultimately the person the person behind the marketing uh, you know i couldn't agree more with that you know uh, my loving offers uh, josh ugerman dale carnegie they wrote all these uh, books uh, many years ago but uh, anything is the same you know it's uh, about uh, human psychology Technologies, yes, can help to consume uh, products to find the right products, but people are the same, you know, foundation is the same. So, yeah, I love it. Alicia, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Oh, thank you. Um, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. I, I love having these conversations. Um, uh, my name is Alicia Eve. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Alicia Eve. Uh, I'm also on Twitter um, at Alicia B Eve, and and those are really the best ways to to find me. So thank you so much for the opportunity today. Okay, guys, you can find the links in the description below. Follow uh, Alicia on Twitter, on LinkedIn. I follow on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm going to do it on Twitter. So the best way to keep learning from Alicia, you can see a lot of valuable insights and don't forget about implementation if you learn without doing something it uh, it doesn't beat anything you know okay guys love you see you thanks for listening to this entire podcast please rank your experience in apple spotify google or any other platforms that you may use also please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift we'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.